Please listen carefully. And now, live from the aquarium in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions podcast, featuring two guys napping in a Wookiee's lap, Kevin and Mikey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Assuming Positions podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast, we continue our latest Build-A-Crew series that we are calling Star Wars All-Stars. The All-Stars of Star Wars. This is a fun Build-A-Crew thought experiment where we go through all kinds of Star Wars media and we are picking our ultimate Star Wars team to go fight a villain we will pick at the end who is not Darth Vader. <laughs> Anybody but Darth Vader and different from our previous Builder Crews, instead of trying to fill a specific role, this time we're just picking our favorites and the limitation is we have to pick it from certain areas of media, certain specific like books or video games or uh, movies or the prequels, all that stuff. Yes. So... Last week, we did literature, books, book club edition, I think is what we called it. Yep. So anything comic books, anything written down, characters that appeared first in those places or became prominent in those places. Yes. I had picked Wedge Antilles, the legacy book version edition, and Mikey picked Quinlan Voss, and you should go listen to it to find out why. <laughs> Mainly because he's a sarcastic Jedi, but also because he's cool. But yes. Yeah. And today we're doing the video game edition characters that came to prominence in Star Wars video games. And boy, there have been a lot of them. That was my main takeaway doing research for this is like, there are way more Star Wars games than I knew about. And I think I've only played like one handful of them, maybe two, but there's a bunch. There are a bunch. So a lot to choose from. So we'll each pick three and the number of our last pick will be our number one pick that will actually go on our team. Yes. So, Mikey. Oh, you're going to flip a coin? Okay, here we go. I'm going to flip my coin. This is a new coin. It's a Mandalorian coin made out of Beskar steel and has a Mythosaur head on both sides. I mean, on one side. Uh, flip. It's a Mythosaur head, which I called. Hooray. I get to go first. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, it's Let tradition. Let that coin. <laughs> no, you can't see that coin. As is tradition, I will go first so I can ramble. And we will start with third picks, which are... You had mentioned this before, but there's there's some instances sometimes where your second and third pick could sort of be swip-swapped. Like, there really is no discerning characteristic on which comes first. So my third pick, well, not silly, but is going to be Aiden Versio from Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yes. Star Wars Battlefront 2, the game itself is a relatively new game. It's from uh, 2017, published by EA Dice. But recently, as a group, we've gotten into it. You and I have played it a bunch. It immediately sprang to mind because it's one of the most fun Star Wars multiplayer games I've played in recent memory. But Aiden Versio was a character created specifically for this game. When you do the single-player campaign, this is the character that you're playing as. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a human female, but she is the main protagonist, and she is the leader of the Inferno Squad. I mean, right off the bat, cool name. <laughs> like, what do you do? Oh, I'm the leader of the Inferno Squad. Right away, you know, oh, this chick is a badass. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she is, but unfortunately, well, or fortunately, depending on which side of this galactic civil war you're on, is that she's part of the bad guy. She is fighting for the Empire. 
the Inferno Squad is a group of elite Imperial officers, Imperial soldiers. So not only is she a bad guy, she's really good at being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. She's got friends in her crew like Del Miko and Gideon Hask. And then the Inferno Squad is supervised by her father, Admiral Garrick Verzio. Uh, the interesting thing about Aiden Verzio, I think we've you had mentioned her in our sci-fi build a crew, maybe? Probably. As one of your alternates, maybe your pick. We would have to go back and check that out. So we've talked about her before, but the reason I'm picking her for my third spot is because she has that interesting character arc that kind of came up in our books episode, but it's it's something that's common to Star Wars that I love. It's the the torn good guy, bad guy. She starts out, at, like I said, on the side of the Empire and mm-hmm. doing her job for what she thinks is the side that's right. But the game takes place during Operation Cinder. And I believe Operation Cinder, isn't that what Bill Burr talks about in the Mandalorian TV show? It is. It is. Yes. They brought it into, well, it wasn't canon because that game's canon anyway, but they brought it into live action media. Yes. So Operation Cinder is essentially after all the Death Stars, but it's the same sort of setup. It's the Empire that they're controlling satellites to cause storms and destruction on a variety of target planets just to instill fear in the galaxy and being like, hey, the Empire is pretty much in charge, and if you don't go along with us, we're going to blow all your crap up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The interesting thing about Aiden Verzio is that she's all gung-ho with Operation Cinder until she realizes that one of the targets is her homeland, which is the planet of Vardos. What's interesting, though, is her father knew this ahead of time, was totally cool with it. It's like, yeah, we're going to blow up our homeland. It's good for the Empire because it's for the, air quotes, greater good, you know. Mm -hmm. We're trying to instill fear and brutality and show what what the force of the Empire can do, but... Aiden Verzio, even though she is a quote-unquote bad guy, this is what causes her, like, self-reflections. Like, I was on board until you attacked my homeland. And now that you're attacking my homeland, I'm having a crisis of conscience, and now I can't do it. So she defects to the rebels, eventually comes to the good guy side, you know, forms up with the rebels and helps take down Operation Cinder. But I love that. I love when Star Wars does that. It's the All these characters have some element of, like, Light side, dark side, where are they going to go, you know? And so Aiden Versio being one that started on the dark side and ended up on the good side, uh, I love her as a protagonist. I love the campaign in Star Wars Battlefront 2, so that's why she's third pick for me. Awesome. Easily could have been a number one pick. That's a, it's a great, one of the great new characters. Oh, absolutely. I hope we, I, I hope, and I think the character is developed enough that we may see her in future properties. I don't know, but... If it's only well, Battlefront 2, that, that's good enough for me. That campaign was great. Well, they've also, there's a new, I don't know how, well, I think it is a fairly new trend in video games as far as I've, as far as long as we've been playing video games, mm-hmm. is that getting an actual actress to be the face and the voice together in it. Yes. And that's Janina Gavankar plays Aiden Versio. She, yep. So if they ever wanted her to appear in anything, the actress is there, exists. Just get her to come in. and Because the era that this... She could easily be in The Mandalorian. For sure. Or some such. The era fits. Mm-hmm. And, so, and she has a life outside of Battlefront 2, according to Wikipedia. Like, she has a husband and kids, so, like, her yeah. legacy continues. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
it's interesting that they do that because, and I mainly bring that up because this leads into my number three pick. Yeah, let's do it. Who was not played by anybody because they didn't do this back then. But then in later editions, when they started doing the thing where they started actually kind of mixing in real people with the video games and stuff in the late 90s, they actually got some actors to do it who aren't really credited, weren't the original voice. It's <laughs> all very strange stuff. But my number three pick is Kyle Katarn from Star Wars Dark Forces. Yes. This is a Legends character who now has just a tiny little thumbnail in canon because I think he was on some trading card game or something. I'm not sure exactly. But I know him from the Dark Forces video game, which came out in 1995 by LucasArts. And it is known as a Doom clone where it looks a lot like Doom. A lot of people think it uses the Doom engine, but it doesn't. It uses what's called the Jedi engine. And <laughs> as far as anyone could tell, LucasArts literally backcoded the Doom thing. They like just basically took Doom and figured out how to make their own version of it. <laughs> you won't let us use the Doom engine? Fine, we'll make our own. ILM, get to work. That's basically what they did. So... Kyle Katarn. Who's Kyle Katarn? Kyle Katarn was a former Imperial Stormtrooper, an agent, and then he becomes a mercenary for hire and service of the Rebel Alliance in Dark Forces, the game. It's a first-person shooter. It looks just pretty much like Doom, but Star Wars version. The first thing you do is infiltrate an Imperial base and steal the Death Star plans. We know that he didn't do that anymore <laughs> now, but that's they gave credit to him for stealing the Death Star plans. And then you go on to a further mission, which he goes on to uncover. And this is kind of neat because they brought it back for Mandalorian. He un uncovers the Dark Trooper project. Oh, yeah. At the time led by General Ram Mach. But then that's the whole point of it. You find you steal Death Star plans is kind of like the, uh, the training mission, basically, in this game. is stealing Death Star plans. And then the main overall mission is going through and uncovering the Dark Trooper project, and then taking it down. That's a crazy place to start, though, is your tutorial mission. That's awesome. Yeah. He was always a really cool character. He has his ship. I know you like ship names. His ship is called the Moldy Crow. Oh, that's a great ship name. Which is fun, yeah. Uh, he's got a sidekick in Jan Ors. Uh, at some point in the game, one of the bosses is Boba Fett, which is fun. Nice. The uh, Here's another good ship name for you. The ship, there's like a factory ship where the Dark Troopers are being built. And that's called the Ark Hammer. <laughs> that sounds like a Halo ship name. I know, right? But basically, like I said, there's not much to this game. The, the real difference between this and Doom, which a lot of people found interesting, is it has a story in it. Doom basically is just like, figure it out for yourself, really. Yeah, it's you Doom know? guy, yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Go to hell and kill some demons. Yeah, this is a... There's actually kind of a storyline here that goes through. And an interesting thing about this game is that they actually figured out how to put levels on top of each other, which I guess Doom couldn't do. So I don't know, a thing it's known for. But like I said, there's not much to talk about with the game other than it spawned sequels. And Kyle Katarn's story got more fleshed out. He appeared in like comic books and all these kind of things. But the reason why he's number three for me, and I've brought this up before, is they did that thing where everybody's going to be a Jedi. Oh, secret force powers. Yeah, so Dark Forces 2 was called Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. <laughs> because, of course, Kyle Katarn finds out he's Force-sensitive, and then you go to be a Jedi. And that's fine. That's great. Wonderful. 
it was it was fun enough to play, but it's just to me, it's just like really always. It's, no one, no one can just be awesome. Nope. You know, it always has to be force sensitive stuff. So that's why he's number three for me. But interesting character. And like I said, this is one of those ones where, so I think Dark Forces was the one that came out in 97. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first one where they actually have the cutscenes actually have like real people in them. Because this was the era when like the Mortal Kombat, all, you know, they're doing that thing where they're doing the, I just don't know exactly the technology behind it, but. Like a rotoscoping you know, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is yep. in there. So. There's that kind of stuff in there. So instead of finding an actor and being like, okay, because they did it with Aiden uh, Versio, they did that in the new Jedi Knight game. They just find an actor mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, you're the voice and the look and we're just going to scan you and do all that stuff they do nowadays. But they were like, oh, we got to find some guy who kind of looks like this guy, I guess. <laughs> it seems like it's funny because you can find the cutscenes and stuff online and see the pictures of it and just... It seems so like B right. It's just <laughs> it's so like Hercules the legendary journeys levels yeah. type stuff. Yeah. It's like you're like, really? This was Star Wars back then? We have a nineties video game budget, so we gotta shoot this in two days and we only get two tries at it. Let's go. I believe they shot it in five days, oh, I read. There you go, see. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yes, Kyle Katarin, the he was cool when he was just some mercenary agent who defected from well kind of like Aiden Versio mm-hmm. but then he lost me when he became the Jedi. He was kind of, he's, they seem kind of to be basing him off of, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, concept art the early concept art where Luke and Han Solo were kind of one character they had been split off mm-hmm. and there's like a early concept picture where it has a kind of Luke slash Han holding a lightsaber with a Chewbacca that looks like Zeb from the Rebels cartoon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And Kyle Katarn seems to be, I don't know if I didn't find this anywhere, but just in my Star Wars fandom, just he seems to be that they were trying to go for like, oh, that guy that was in the concept art will be this guy. But (laughs) I don't know. I don't have any confirmation of that, but it seems that way, the way he looks and everything. So I believe it. Yeah. The Luke Skywalker story worked well. So why not try and repeat it, but make it a little bit different? But Kyle Katarn, you and the Moldy Crow and your psychic Janors would have been great if you had just stayed an awesome mercenary dude. Now, do you get force powers throughout the game or is it like a twist at the end where it's like, oh, he was secretly a Jedi this whole time? It, the force powers thing comes up in the second one. Oh, okay. The first one doesn't have any of that stuff in it. It's just since it's just like Doom and all they can do is really shoot different kinds of guns. I got you. But that's it sounds like a great character. I know I mean, I know it does dip into the whole everybody's a secret Jedi and I get why that <laughs> makes it third pick, but hey, the whole like dark trooper storyline, I was fascinated by it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So having it in a video game, awesome. Yeah, it was one of my favorite video games back in the day because I loved Doom and I loved Wolfenstein. I was a big first person shooter guy, still am a big first person shooter guy. Yep. So then you Star Warsify it and I'm like, You <laughs> It's the perfect skin. Give me all you got. Yep. But speaking of favorite video games, that leads nicely into my second pick. And the reason it's second above Iden Versio is mainly because the games are cool. Like, I like this game more than I like Battlefront 2. And the character is sort of secondary. But my second pick comes from the video game Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga. <laughs> <laughs> And all the weird, like, Lego minifig sounds that they make because they don't have dialogue. But anyway, mm-hmm. yes, 
Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga, the actual character I'm picking from it is Jango Fett. Not one of the big names, but people know his name now because he has brought been brought up in canon a bunch of times. Yes. Jango Fett is the father to Boba Fett, the fan favorite from the 70s. I mean, mm-hmm, yeah. Boba Fett goes all the way back, but the whole reason Boba Fett's cool, my argument is, because he learned it from his dad, Jango Fett, the original foundling Mandalore that we learned from the Mandalorian TV show. Uh, he's got a jetpack. He's got dual blasters. He's got a flamethrower. He's got, I think, cooler armor than Boba Fett. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I like the blue and white ensemble better than I like the red and green, like, jungle Boba Fett armor. Yeah, well, I know. Same armor, just painted different. Because, yeah, Boba Fett inherited it, so. But Jango Fett also is, he's so cool that he was the 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 model and the first version of all the clones that they made. They were like, yep. Jango Fett, we love you. We're going to make a million copies of you. Mm-hmm. So if that doesn't make it a choice, I don't know what is. But in terms of Lego Star Wars, the game, he's actually one of the more fun characters because you do get two guns, you do get to use his jetpack, and you do get to do all the bounty hunter missions with him. But I also just want to highlight how fun the Lego Star Wars games, all the Lego games in general, I want to highlight mm-hmm. them because second hot take is that Lego games are probably the best local co-op games I've played in the last 10, 15 years maybe even 20 years. Like, if you have a buddy on the couch or a significant other that doesn't like playing video games, you can put on a Lego game and two people can have a blast without having any sort of video game knowledge or experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. One of the reasons my kids are obsessed with video games, I'm all kids are, but they're really into video games is because early on, well, I'm into video games, so I was fine with them playing it, but you have to find ones that kids can play and that twins can play together. Yep. So the Lego video games were big players in my house. And the Star Wars one was played often. It was a, I'd say it's a toss-up between the Star Wars one and the Lord of the Rings one. Yep. I think they were played an equal amount. But the reason why I immediately started doing the Cantina song is because you spend a lot of time around that Cantina and that song <laughs> plays over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it's like and, a 45-second loop that just never yeah. stops. And you don't mind at all. But with the Lord of the Rings, with the Star Wars, what's fun about the Lego games is that it goes through the movie for the Star Wars one, the complete saga. It does all the prequels, so episodes one, two, and three, as well as episodes four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. So you're essentially playing through the movies, but there's no dialogue because it's just Lego minifigs sort of squeaking and squawking at each other. But they still do the same beats of the movie, so you know what's going on, even though they aren't saying anything. And then they add Lego slapstick comedy into it because Lego people never really die. They either, like, bust into parts that can be put back together or uh, bust into bricks that are, like, coins and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. uh, perfectly kid-friendly. But Wikipedia let me know that Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga, as of February 2017, so this may have changed with the release of Battlefront and uh, Squadrons, but as of 2017, Lego Star Wars was the best-selling Star Wars game of all time. I believe it. I had no idea, though. The reason Jango Fett is second pick is I really can't justify having a Lego minifig character uh, <laughs> traveling around with actual humans and like real life alien people. I I find it hilarious, but I think that it is a, hilarious. Yeah, that's that's a little too much, Mikey. So uh, <laughs> he would never die. You could always put him back together. But I, I'm gonna limit myself and say no. You can't have a Lego person walking around with actual regular people. As cool as Django Fett is, so that makes him second yeah. pick. But Django Fett, man, he's a classic. All right, man. 
that's right there. And I might see some foreshadowing because we get to pick from the prequels too. Yep. <laughs> and thank you, Dave Filoni and John Favreau, for making Jango Fett cool again. Oh, yeah, because they kind of did him dirty in the prequel movies, but yeah, Dave they Filoni's did. Well, pre- yep. they did him dirty by making him not a Mandalorian. It was something that George Lucas said, so it became canon that he wasn't a Mandalorian. It was just confusing because if he wasn't a Mandalorian, it didn't make it made Boba Fett not be a Mandalorian anymore, and everyone called him a Mandalorian. Everyone was confused. Yep. So in the show, they fixed it. In the show, they introduced this thing called Foundlings. They made the Mandalorian in the show a Foundling, and everyone's calling him a Mandalorian. So they made Jango Fett a Foundling. So therefore, he is a tried and true Mandalorian. So there we go. And it solves the problem in such a cool Chef's way. Kiss. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> because, the, yeah, the, the, before then, they, it was just like, oh, these are imposters that stole the armor. But now, like, it's this whole mythology of like, oh, these are orphans of battle and war. Like, that would happen. And they were taken up and given the code. Ugh, that makes them even better. Yeah, and it also adds that fun thing, too, is where a lot of people pointed to one of the Mandalorians in, I believe, the Clone Wars, one of the cartoons saying that, I don't know where he got that armor. He's like a pretender or whatever. They changed it to be like, it's not that he's not a Mandalorian. It's that true blood. There's like true blood Mandalorians. <laughs> and then there's foundling Mandalorians. And some of the true bloods are prejudiced yep. against the foundling ones, which adds a nice wrinkle to it. It's like mud blood from Harry Potter. Ooh, yeah. conflict. <laughs> conflict. All right. Django Fett Lego version. Great. I love the versions like because, you know, I have Wedge Antilles book version. Exactly. <laughs> so I love Django Fett, but specifically with his yellow minifig head. <laughs> All right. That's good. I mean, I'm, those games have given me this nostalgia bumps. Nostalgia bumps? Can you get nostalgia bumps like goosebumps? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now you said it's, goosebumps, so I'm thinking about little horror books that I read when I was a kid. So, uh-huh. yeah, different nostalgia. Speaking of nostalgia and speaking of great Star Wars games, and I've talked about this a million billion times, but we're going to talk about it a little more because it is one of the greatest games ever. From Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, released by BioWare LucasArts for Xbox in 2003. I am picking the pretty much second protagonist in it, even though you don't play her, Bastila Shan. Okay. The female Jedi who was born 4,000 years before any of the movies. So Knights of the Old Republic is, if you don't know, I found from Wikipedia or Wikipedia or one of the Pedias <laughs> that this game has like over like 100 awards okay. of various types. I believe it. Um, and deservedly so. This is a Star Wars role-playing game. It was based on the D20 system, just like Dungeons & Dragons. And it's Bioware, so it has all that great role-playing pedigree and all that your choices affect the way the game goes which is great for a game that has the light side and the dark side in it it has such a big twist in it i almost don't want to ruin it i think people should go play this because you can still get it on they ported it out for mobile so you can play it on your phone or your tablet nice currently so go get it and i don't (laughs) want to spoil the thing but the thing is that this game is so good that they came out with the sequel and i know that i got the sequel but when I was doing research and looking stuff up, I don't remember much of the sequel. There's stuff that happened in this one that I thought happened in the sequel, but it was all in this one. This The first one is so good. Legendary. But Bastila, she's basically kind of is your sidekick through the whole game. And she's also the one at the very beginning who's guiding you. 
and the one who's you're supposed to. You're, this is a funny thing too, because this almost has a thing that I don't like in it, but I do like it because of the way the game is. Because you start off as a soldier on a Republic ship, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Oh, I can train you in the ways of the Force." But I mean, that's kind of the way the game is, and you come to find out that you always haven't been a soldier. So (laughs) it's different. It's not like, oh, I was this awesome soldier. And the only reason I was awesome is because I was force sensitive. The game is not like that at all. It's 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 not surprise Jedi. It's actual training because you were started off that way. I get it. Exactly. So Bastion is a fun character. She's supposed to be young. So she's kind of brash. And some people don't like her because she can come across as a little bit pompous. But as you go through the game, you accumulate all these different companions in the game, and you can only take two of them out with you when you go on adventures. Okay. So really, as you play, everyone's going to have their personal favorites that they take out there with them. And a lot of times, people don't take Bastula because she's so integral in the game that she keeps showing up all the time anyway, so they want to keep people around. But I found myself bringing her out with me a lot because she had good powers, and she has battle meditation, which is what something that the old emperor used to know how to do, which basically is that you go into a trance and then all of your friends are like buffed and you can even do it with regular people. So that's supposedly how the empire was able to win so many battles and why things went bad for them in Return of the Jedi because the emperor was using his battle meditation in there when he was on the second Death Star. Okay. And it like literally gives force sensitive powers to everyone in your army. So, you know, everyone's going to be a little faster, a little quicker, a little smarter, a little, you know, everything. Just that, that makes for a great party team member because if you give buffs to everybody, that I mean, I want that in yeah. a video game. I want that in my tabletop games. That, that, that's, a, that's a perfect kind of buff. Yeah. And man, I, I could tell you the whole thing that goes, I don't want to spoil it, man, but this game's been around for a long time. So I'm going to spoil stuff now. So if you just skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> Here's your warning. Yeah. So what happens is you can have like the this has the good old Bioware like romance track is in there. And and you're kind of meant to fall if you can you can play your character as a female and they haven't advanced to that point yet in 2003 where, you know, you can still romance her as a female. Yes. But the character in canon that you play is meant to be male and you are meant to romance her and then basically you're supposed to fall in love because in the canon story even though these games have different choices there is a canon story mm-hmm. is that she ends up falling to the dark side and you have to pull her back and the big twist is that you find out that you're the bad guy the whole time oh no right <laughs> and so it's like a double redemption story so that's the twist is that she falls to the dark side reveals who you really are and the choice is, do you join her, defeat your old apprentice, Darth Malik, and then you know rule the galaxy as husband and wife or whatever? Or do you pull her back, defeat your old apprentice, and save the galaxy for the Republic? That's the whole thing. But that's a great—I oh, love that conflict. I know it's a trope and sort of repeated in Star Wars, but man, that's such a good one. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who played this, and it didn't go that way. Like I said, I love this game so much, I played it both ways through. Yep. And— I mean, both ways you technically end up with her in the end, unless you play a a female character. And actually, it's more challenging to play a female character because you have to, there's a different connection between you two. And you have to, 
I guess you have to really buff your persuasion, your force persuasion, because you can have really good force persuasion. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only way to pull her back gotcha. is like is to use force persuasion. So <laughs> this would be interesting, which is really fun because on the evil one, you can persuade one of the characters to kill the other one, which is crazy to me. Yeah, you mentioned that the last time it came up, but yeah. oh, just the fact that that game had those types of choices and like, I don't know what I would pick. I think I like, I know it's bad to just give into the dark side, but ruling his husband and wife and just being like badass characters, I, I, I'm i kind of down with it. Yeah. Well, that's why I played it both ways all the way through. I played it all good one way through and all bad the other way through. And that game takes a long time. But that was a lot of hours I put in. But again, that was pre-kids, as we said before. Yep. So... She could have easily been my number one pick, Bastilla, but I picked her as my number two pick because my number one pick, I think, is fun. There you go. Um, but I'm just putting um, just putting this together now. Like I didn't realize Bioware was the company behind KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic, because Bioware is responsible for Mass Effect and Dragon yep. Age. Yep. Those alone would be enough pedigree to be like, Bioware is awesome, but now that I know Bioware is behind Knights of the Old Republic, it makes sense that that game is red. Yes, and they they actually they didn't do the second one. They just did the first one. Which is the better of the two, I guess? Like I said, I wanted to look, and I know I played the second one, but I couldn't remember anything from the second one. <laughs> when I was reading it, when I was looking at the characters, yep. I couldn't remember. I mean, I remember it being fun, and I remember liking it, but, man, that first one is just embedded in my head. I mean, probably because I played through it twice, but at the same time, it's just... That game's legendary. That's one of the all-time greatest Star Wars games, I think. I believe it. And I, I would chalk part of that up to Bioware being rad. So. Yeah. Awesome pick for second. I'm curious to see what the first pick is. Speaking of which, we are now on to first picks. Uh, mine comes from a little bit older. This comes from 2003. But I am picking a character from the video game Star Wars Rogue Squadron 3 Rebel Strike. Oh. Wow. Yeah, if you needed a long Star Wars title, like not only does it have <laughs> two colons in it, but it's the third in the series. So this is the third in the series of the Rogue Squadron games they put out. It's called Rebel Strike. They This is, ex- I think, exclusively for the GameCube, which was uh, my college game console of choice. All we had was a GameCube, so all the games we played were GameCube. But Rogue Squadron, like you were talking about uh, and in our book club edition with Wedge Antilles, I mean, you're talking about the best of the best pilots that fly mm-hmm. X-Wings and A-Wings, and it's gold leader, red leader, green leader. The character I'm picking is actually, he shows up only in a few missions in this game, but it's green leader, and his name is Arvil Krynid. Oh, I have no idea who this person is. And the reason it's stuck in my brain is because I think this was the first instance of me hearing a Star Wars character name that I wasn't familiar with, because like, he's not really in the movies. He's not really in any of the books that I've read. He might be in some of the, you know, Legends or Canon, uh, Extended Universe, whatever. But he is in this game, and it was the first time I was like, wait, that's not Luke Skywalker or Wedge or Han Solo or Chewbacca or any of the names I know. This is a new person. Um, But you talking about Wedge and Tilly has made me realize that I do need a team member that is good at piloting, is good at transport. Like, we need to get places. So uh, Arvel Krynid is a human pilot. I don't know if he's as good as Wedge, but he's not a Jedi. He d- he's not Force-sensitive. <laughs> so he, he's really good at what he does for being a normal, everyday human. He just he, he loves to fly. In the game, the game is cool because this is the third version of it, the third in the series, and this was the first time they did all the cool space battles where you would do in a Rogue Squadron game, like you could imagine, flying X-Wings and doing space battles. But 
Also, this is the first game where they did space battles as well as on-the-ground combat. So you, you had the best of both worlds. But for Arvel, he is the leader of the Green Squad. And maybe spoilers, but the reason I picked him is that the reason he's a good team member is he's super loyal because Arvel dies. He sacrifices himself in the Battle of Endor. Uh, one of his wings gets shot out, but he stabilizes and he maintains speed so he can crash into the Star Dreadnought Executor, which is the ship that crashes into the Death Star 2. So Wait, is he in an A-wing? He is in an A-wing. He's the guy from the movie that does that. He is the guy that does that, but he's only given a name and actual, like, attributed to that story because of this game. Oh, wow. So, that guy's, like, legendary to me. That That's the that's part of the movie. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So, <laughs> I didn't even know that. So this is where they actually fleshed out his story a little bit. And even in the game, he's not in it too much. But they actually give him a name, and they give him the credit for being the A-wing that flies into the the deck, the bridge, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the Executor, and then the Executor ends up crashing into the Death Star 2. What's cool about that as well is that posthumously... He was awarded the New Republic Medal of Bravery, which is one of the New Republic's highest honors. Uh, they also named a ship after him, which is the Crinid. It belong, it's, a, it, it's a Star Destroyer that was overtaken by the Rebels. So, it, I mean, fully loaded ship, but for use by the Rebels and named after mm. a hero. So I pick him to sort of bring him back to life, memorialize him, give him his due justice. He He's still alive on my team. I'm sort of retconning all that canon, but... Uh, I need a pilot. I need somebody that's willing to go the lengths of the cause to actually sacrifice himself. I mean, come on. That's prime teammate right there. I try not to make him die on my team, but I know if it comes to that, he'll do what it needs to be done. So uh, Arvil Krynid is my pilot and loyal team member number one pick. Oh, yes. That's great, man. As much as I know Star Wars, I did not know that guy had a name and wasn't a video game. That's mm -hmm. crazy. That's yeah. a great pick. <laughs> I only reckon like it was it was a weird name that I didn't recognize while I was playing the game and then doing research on him. I was like, oh, this guy's way more important and you never hear about him. I know. That's one of my favorite parts of that movie. Cause it looks so it looks so cool when that superstar destroyer is spearing into the Death Star. Yep. <laughs> Although it's kind of silly because like they kind of mirrored it, they repeated it again, but the reason that uh, Arvel gets into dire straits is because he does a trench run, just like Luke Skywalker did on the first Death Star. But it's Arvel doing it this time, and then they shoot one of his wings out, and he tries to stabilize and swim yep. through the trench, and then just finally says, all right, this is what I have to do. <laughs> he, he's that's, not a Jedi, so he couldn't pull a Luke Skywalker. But still, yeah, save the day. That's great. Wow. That's a good number one pick. My number one pick. So one of the reasons I didn't go with Bastila is because she's obvious. And I wanted to pick someone who wasn't obvious <laughs> and someone who was a little more fun. And so I picked someone also from Battlefront 2, yes. the new campaign. I picked Shriv Surgav. <laughs> what a name. That's great. And Shriv is the Duros male who's part of Aiden Versio's squadron when she defects from the Empire and joins the rebels mm -hmm. and he's throughout the campaign as a side character. He was a veteran of all through the galactic civil war. He was part of the liberation of Sullis. He was in the battle of Endor. He was the squadron leader of danger squadron. <laughs> what a great name. And he's actually the one when Iden Versio and Del Mico from Inferno squadron decide to 
defect. Mm-hmm. He's the he's their contact. He's the one who kind of brings them over. And then he's with them throughout the cutscenes. We see him a lot. He's kind of giving the missions at first. And the best part about him, the reason why I want him is because he's so funny. He's so, he's like cynical and sarcastic, but he has a heart of gold and he's trying to fight for the right. But he's just, there's a whole, you can go on YouTube and there's a whole, all his cutscenes put through and it's just, it's delightful. <laughs> it's so much fun. And there's a whole section of Battlefront 2 where you're actually playing Lando Calrissian yep. and you're with him. He's your sidekick. Oh, and the right. banter between him and Lando is brilliant. It's so much fun. I just, he reminds me of, so this is a way throwback and I don't know if anyone's going to get this, <laughs> but if you've ever seen Bewitched, the TV show. Yes. Okay, she has a character named Uncle Arthur, her Uncle Arthur, played by Paul Lind. Yes, Paul, oh, Paul Lind, okay. the legend, yeah. Now, go watch the cutscenes of Shriv and don't tell me he isn't like Paul Lind, but badass. <laughs> I believe it, okay. The way he the way he delivers the lines and the way he acts, is it just reminds me so much of Paul Lind for some reason. It's delightful. But in Duros form. So if for those of you who don't know, the Duros are one of the earliest aliens we ever see in Star Wars. They're in the cantina. They're the aliens that look like gray aliens yes. from sci-fi. And if you know anything about the history of Star Wars, a lot of those aliens in the cantina were just masks that they had laying around already. Mm-hmm. That's why there's like a werewolf in there <laughs> and, and things like that. They didn't have that much of a budget. So... I don't know about the history of the Doros, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were just generic alien heads because that's what they seem like. But usually they're just stuck on a, a mask and we don't get to see them animated. And seeing them animated in Battlefront 2 is just, it's so satisfying. And they give him that sarcastic, cynical voice. He has, some of the lines are so good. And it like, there's, there's one of my, I wrote down one of my favorite lines mm-hmm. and if we get, would, he's there with Lando and he and Lando have a history. They've done stuff in the past before. Gotcha. Um, so he's a guy, if he's a guy who can roll with Lando, he's a guy who can, you know, roll with anybody. Right. Especially in the banter aspect. Yeah. Right. And then, so at one point he turns to Lando and he says, if I die here, I'm glad you will too. <laughs> <laughs> To which I can only imagine Lando's like, we ain't dying here. Why are you going to put that on me? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really funny because it's I love those misdirect things. You think he's going to be like, if I die here, I'm glad it's with you, you know. But yeah. no, if I'm glad die here, I'm glad you will too. <laughs> and there's also a whole funny bit where he's with Aiden Versio and Del Mico, who is her love interest in it. And yep. they're the ones who end up having a kid and everything. Spoilers, but whatever. <laughs> but there's a funny thing where they're walking together and she and Aiden uh, Versio and Shriver are going off on a mission and Dell kind of stops them and he's like, be careful out there, you know, all kind of lovey-dovey stuff. And then as they're walking away, Shriver's like, I hope you're safe out there too, Shriv. You're such a good friend to me all this time. But, you know, he's just like, just muttering under his breath. Like, <laughs> what am I, chopped liver over here? I just love it. Just that attitude. Wow. But that's like the perfect sort of B-tier character that they could add in like as an Easter egg to other stories, especially with that race being a gray alien and having that tone. He could show up and you'd be like, oh, I know that guy. I know that tone. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, I want to see him so much in other stuff. And then the the fun thing, too, is that 
Battlefront has that kind of two part thing where you have also older Iden Versio at the very end. Yep. And then her daughter shows up and Shriv has been basically kind of raising her daughter. So they have this kind of fun banter between Iden's daughter and Shriv have this very familiar banter. It's very hilarious there and, too. So. And tying into what you're saying, he's the uncle from Bewitched again. He's Paul. Yeah, Lee, he is. He is he's the total, uncle. Totally. And just as an aside, I was looking up the Doros, and the Doros are real interesting history in Star Wars. A lot of it isn't canon anymore, but it should be, I think. But they're considered like one of the oldest spacefaring races in Star Wars. Okay. Like they founded a lot of the hyperspace lanes, and they're like some of the earliest creatures to be in the Galactic Republic. And it all makes sense to me because they look like the gray aliens. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's kind of funny. They're the original aliens, so yeah. why not make them the original aliens in Star Wars? Yeah, exactly. I get so it. I thought that was kind of cool. But that's all legend stuff, but hopefully they bring that forward. And I'd love to see Shriv show up in other stuff because he's hilarious. I just, I want that on my team. I want that kind of, that he's the epitome of Star Wars banter. I call it Star Wars banter. It yep. shows up in so much stuff now. It's all over marvel stuff now it's all over like we joss whedon loves putting that in his stuff yep but it really started in star wars and i don't know if you can credit lucas himself because he only directed the first one and then he kind of wrote the initial scripts but then other people finished the scripts for him or if it literally comes from harrison ford I, I was about to say i was about to interrupt but my money would be on harrison ford like just showing up one day and lucas is like well I guess we got to make the character like Harrison Ford because nobody can tell Harrison Ford what to do. I think it is. I really think it is because that stuff permeates through everything he's in, including all the Indiana Jones stuff. Absolutely. And everything. So I think the reason why that funny stuff is in there is part. But also, too, you know, you get Princess Leia does tons of it, too. Yeah. In there, too. So maybe it is in the writing. You know, it's like, <laughs> you call this a rescue? Kind of short for a stormtrooper. Kind of short for walking carpet out of my way. You know, all that kind of stuff. You scruffy nerf herder? Uh, yeah. So it's in there. It's all... That's the thing. That's one of the reasons I love Star Wars so much. And I think that's why Marvel's so successful. And I think that might be part of the problem DC has and other sci-fi stuff that hasn't hit is mm -hmm. sometimes if you're too serious... No one's that serious all the time in life at all. Or in high-pressure yeah. situations that these people yeah. are in. Like, it, yeah. co comedy is one of my defense mechanisms, so it's good to see that. I, I like to see representation in the teams that I'm watching. So Yeah, exactly. And it, it's just that way. Even in real life, it's where people go to to cope with it. And it makes for a great team member because, I mean, hey, you're, you're going to be on a starship at least traveling to different planets or in high-pressure situations. You got to crack a few jokes along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's who I'm going with, Shriv Surgav. What a Star Wars the, name, yeah. They just call him Shriv through most of the thing. I don't know if they ever, they might say his last name once. in the So I, I'm just reading it. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Because it's hard to say. Shriv, absolutely, that works. Looks like a Finnish hockey player's name. <laughs> but it also makes me worried, like, if I ever get on his bad side, he's probably going to shriv me with a, you know. <laughs> I think that's shiv, but oh, shiv with a shriv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, those are our three picks. So that means our pizza is here. Yes. And our pizza is here. It means it's the end of the podcast. Hooray. I have Mon so, on my pizza. I mean, no, wait, no. 
Yes, weird. They're literally <laughs> called Squid Man. <laughs> Better than those eggs that Grogu was eating. I mean, come on, still mad about that. Anyway, <laughs> he'll eat anything. Oh my goodness gracious! All right, so everybody out there, who are your picks for a video game? Who would you want on your team? As Star Wars character who's been in video games, yeah, let us know. Am, am I should I have put Bastille at number one? Should Mikey have just put the Lego Django Fett <laughs> at his number one? Let us know. You can hit us up on all the social medias at Assuming Pod that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're most active on Instagram, and thank you for supporting us there. Mm-hmm. You can also Gmail us, assuming positions at gmail.com. We like to tell you to write it in a certain way. Mikey, how would you like him to write it this time? Oh, uh, I said holocron Asheron last time. Uh, let's let's do the hologram. Let's do the classic Princess Leia. Send a droid to us that's going to project your message. And be like, Kevin and Mikey, you're my only hope. Here's my favorite Star Wars video game. You should talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Perfect. I don't remember ever owning a droid. Wait a minute, you know who that droid was? But he said never remember owning a droid. Yeah, see? He was he see he didn't own the droid. He it was they were assigned to him by the Republic. That's retcon. I don't believe it. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We also want to thank our crew, that guy Brad for doing announcing, Not Scott Productions for our equipment, Jazzar for our music, and we hope you guys have a wonderful week. And next week, what are we doing, Mikey? Next week, it is Star Wars All-Star TV Edition. TV Edition. So we're going to pick someone from TV, so stay tuned for that. Yes. In an episode of in a galaxy far, far away that shows up next week. <laughs> That's not our outro music, Mikey. It is now. (laughs) 